It's Sunday morning. We are studying some things that's very interesting. Of course, I like to believe that everything I study is interesting. But I'm teaching this morning on Revelation and Ezekiel tied together with Genesis and a bunch of other verses. Uh, I want you to turn back to Revelation, the first chapter. There's something you have to understand about Revelation. It's not revelations. It's the revelation. Apo. K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S. Apocalypsis is the Greek word revelation. It is a construction of apo. Meaning off with and the word kalupto K-A-L-U-P-T-O which is the word cover. It means to remove the cover so you can understand things. But you can understand it if you don't define all the words you can. Define words. Word definition is what will tell you what the truth is. If you leave definition, you've left the truth. Now, apocalypto is the word revealed. So revelation and revealed are part of the same word revealed now let's read that first verse again the revelation of Jesus Christ that means God's going to take the cover off so you can see this but there's a key word in this first verse that you have to understand what it means which God gave unto him to show unto the, his servants which must shortly come to pass and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Uh, you got to look at the word signify. <coughs> signify. We'll get the word sign from that. You see that word? Sign. It may, A sign is something to signify. Signs are pointers. The word is simiao, S-C-M-E-I-O-O. Simiao, and it is comes from the word simeon, S-C-M-E-I-O-N. Simeon is the word that the Pharisees asked Jesus when they came to him. And they said, give us a sign if you're from God. Give us a simeon. We got signs over here in the Old Testament. If you go to Deuteronomy 8... We were in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years, and our shoes didn't wear out. Shoes didn't wear out. We were in 120 degrees heat, probably at least that, 120 to 130 degrees heat is what it would be in that Sinai Desert. And our feet didn't swell up. Feet did not swell. And we also had a cloud by day. Whenever the cloud moved, we moved. We had a fire by night. Fire by night. And we had manna in the morning. And when the first time they went out and looked at manna, they said, what is it? God said, we'll call it that, manna. Manna means, what is it? Don't ask Mary what she's cooking. She'll say, manna. I've asked her what she's cooking for. She said, manna. 
Solana means what is it? What is it? And they had and they could go against their enemy one way and they'd flee seven ways. And God had lightning bolts, he had earthquakes, he had floods that he could bring on the enemy. And they come up and said, we want a king to rule over us. And all you have is spears. A spear don't stand up to a lightning bolt. But they said they wanted that, and later on God gave them that. Now, Simeon means, that's a sign. But Jesus told the Pharisees, you're not going to get any more of those signs except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and that was resurrection. The only thing you get from now on is resurrection. I'm not going to go into that. I could be all day there. Now, so, he says, he says, he sent his, he's going to send his angel. Keep in mind, the word angel, I, I hate that word because it connotes, whatever that means, gives the connotation that you're talking about some heavenly creature. That's not necessarily true. It could be a heavenly creature, but it can be me or anyone who is a angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. That's the word angel. It means messenger. That's all it means. Gabriel was a heavenly messenger and and would bring messengers to Daniel and to Mary about having a baby, uh, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And Daniel got the message from Gabriel. And Michael was the death angel. He killed 185,000 men in one night by himself. How's that for a messenger? Talk about a message God was sending to the Assyrians. He did. So, what we're looking at here, I've already gone through a lot of this. I'm going to recover some of it that I've said. I'm going to look at verse 20. One more time. Verse 20, because you've got seven candlesticks. Seven candlesticks. I wonder where that came from. You think that came out of the book of Exodus, the 25th chapter? Yeah. You think that's Jewish? Yes. So, being Jewish, you've got seven churches of Asia, and then you've got seven candlesticks, and Christ is standing in the middle of them. Then he... Verse 20 will tell you from one end of this book to the other end of this book what these things mean. And he says in verse 20, Well, Christ has seven stars in his right hand. Seven stars. That's amazing because when we think of the seven stars, we think of P-L-E-I-A-D-E-S. We also think of the Big Dipper, which which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Like so. Like that about, that last one comes out like this. And the Big Dipper is the, it is the, it's the Big Dipper in four phases. It is the swastika. And people get mad at me for showing this. So you're a Nazi. No, you're stupid. <laughs> this was this was the swastika. They called it the will of the year in the ancient world. And this is what got Israel in trouble with God. Not because they worshipped the swastika as a Nazi, 
but because they called this the wheel of the year and they said that it had to get back around to spring here, spring, in order for them to have crops. So they worshiped this queen of heaven and who is not unfamiliar with the queen of heaven, which is the Mary of Roman Catholicism. And it was Malita in the ancient world. 600 years before Mary was born, it was Malita, it was Venus. Those were the queen of heaven. And you're in the summer here, and you're going into the fall here, and you get in the winter, and they would check this swastika or this Big Dipper every three months at midnight. This is the pagans at midnight. And they would see that, they would say, we hope when they got to fall, getting into the dead of winter, they wanted to get through that, and they found a way to worship all of these sun and tree gods. And they said that got them right back around to spring. Now, this is the truth. I didn't invent that, and neither did Hitler. He didn't invent that. He was a fire and tree worshiper. There's a book called the twisted cross i've got it in my library i have wore it out it's fallen all to pieces i need to get another one but the twisted cross and it's about hitler being a fire and tree worshiper that's what he was and i can sit and talk about that all day but i don't have time to now it was the queen of heaven that turned that and you can see god indicting israel for worshiping the queen of heaven over there in the 44th chapter of Jeremiah and the 7th chapter of Jeremiah. He said, you don't go after this queen of heaven, but they did. And there were seven stars in the Big Dipper. So when it says seven stars in here, it reminds me of the Big Dipper. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And you also had seven stars in the Pleiades. And the the... I, I need to connect this with this because the seven stars in the right hand of Christ, if you go after the seven stars, you're going after the seven churches. The seven stars uh, were the Pleiades, and the rabbis said that the Pleiades drew the sap up in the vine in the spring. The reason they said that it was because the Pleiades, which is seven stars, that it in the spring... Just as the spring is coming on, the Pleiades becomes uh, obvious. That way, they said that the Pleiades was bringing the sap up and bringing out the blossoms. When the Lord asked Job, can you bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? Bind means to forbid. It means to forbid the Pleiades from bringing out the from bringing out the blooms and the sweet influences would be the smell of the apple blossoms and the new mown hay that would be the sweet influences so whenever you you get in and then he turns around and says or can you loose the bands of orion and this all has to do with the seven stars in the right hand of christ here he's got seven stars in his right hand if we have the seven stars which was called the morning star morning star if we have the seven stars and that was another title for the Pleiades was the morning star there were seven stars in it 
who would be the spiritual morning star? Christ. Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation the 22nd chapter that Jesus is the morning star. Jesus is the morning star. And those of us who overcome in the second chapter, those of us that overcome, we get the morning star. Well, if the morning star is the spiritual Pleiades, and that's Christ, what are the fruits that we get? Huh? What fruits do we get? Fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. If we overcome, overcome is the word N-I-K-A-O. I like that. Because it is the verb form of N-I-K-E. Nike. Uh, Nike is the word victory, and that is the noun, and that's the word victory. And when you overcome, and the victor that overcomes the world in First John, the fifth chapter, even our faith. That's the victory. So when you see overcome, every time you see it, think victory, think faith. First John, the fifth chapter. First few verses there. So, Nikkei. So if we overcome, we get the morning star, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith against us there's no law. Fruit of Spirit. These are the signs. These are the signs. If you define these things, but you have to go back to Job, the 38th chapter, to see where God is saying that. And when he looses the bands of Orion, to loose the bands, Orion was the evening star, and they said that drew the sap down in the vine. Sap down. So loosing the bands of Orion. What that means. And you can get Pleiades and Orion out of your McClinican Strong. All you need to do is look up the P volume, look up Pleiades, and look up O, Orion. And so here's what... Here's what, what loosened the bands of Orion. Orion's supposed to keep the sap down. Here you are in January the 25th. And it's been cold, freezing cold. And God comes up on the 26th and gives you a, gives you a, a warm front come in. Warm. And it stays there for a week and a half. And all of a sudden, the crocuses begin to bloom and the daffodils begin to sprout. And God hits with a freeze and says, that's loosing the bands of Orion. I'm going to kill your crops. That's famine. That's the first judgment God would bring when he said, you go after other gods, I'll bring famine, I'll bring the sword, I'll bring the pestilence, and then I'll bring the beast to carry you into captivity. And that's what he did. So let's get back to these seven stars. The seven stars that's in the right hand of Christ, you have to go through all the Bible to study what these things mean. I've gone through this, and I haven't connected the seven stars in his right hand with Pleiades till this morning. 
So we see in verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. You can't disconnect that from Pleiades or from the seven stars. Amos, the fifth chapter, says, Don't go after Bethlehem or Gilgal. Israel had set up idol worship in Bethel and Gilgal. And Amos says, Don't go after Bethel and Gilgal. But seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion. Don't go after the seven stars. Don't worship them. Worship him that makes the seven stars. The covenant of God in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you obey my commandments, and you obey my statutes and my laws, these things will happen to you. I'll fill up your storehouses. I'll fill up your fields I'll fill up you'll have all you can eat and he says I'll, I'll you'll have healthy wombs your babies will come forth they'll be healthy and you won't have stillborn babies and you'll go against your enemy one way and they will flee seven ways that's the covenant of God with us but if you don't do that I'll bring pestilence and famine and swellings and the burning og and he starts that in the 15th verse of the Deuteronomy 28 chapter so he says I'll, you'll have Orion was considered what's amazing Orion is the word K-E-C-I-Y-L Kiso in the Hebrew in the Hebrew text Kisel is also the same word as fool that's amazing isn't it Kiso is fool, and it's the word Orion, because that has to do with winter and no food. And that's why he says, I'll give you enough food to take you through the winter. Now, i got to get on with this. I, this is the first time I've stopped here on this seven stars as I'm studying Revelation. Then you get down to verse 20. This is, verse 20 is, it's a glossary. For the whole book. It's going to tell you every time you see these seven angels and every time you see seven candlesticks what it's about. He says in verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. That's in red ink. This is Jesus talking. And the seven golden candlesticks. It's going to tell you what the seven stars and the seven candlesticks are. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. Remember, angel is messenger. That's what it means. When I like to pick this up and show this to you. But inside the candlesticks, it wasn't shaped exactly like this, but you had the oil inside, this, inside here. It was more down like so. But a guy made this for me. He didn't know how to make it. But the oil is the angels inside the candlesticks. Or the message. The message is the light. Truth and light are equivalent throughout the scripture. So this was the only official light in Israel. And when, you ha- when, the, when this menorah is what it's called. Not candlesticks. <laughs> That's bad. It's actually lamps. In the Old Testament, it is menorah. Jim, you do have it on the screen. I know you know it. Yeah, I know that. 
it, it, it's, it's actually lamps because candlesticks were made of wax and they didn't invent those till 1600 and the King James Bible was translated in 1611 so that's why they say candlesticks it's actually lamps when you look up the definition it'll say lamps and it was usually a, a little bowl with oil in it and it had a taper coming down into the oil and that would burn just like you light a coal, uh, a coal lamp now let me get let me get away from this and get on into the study that was kind of introducing you now he says that the seven candlesticks are the angels or let me put it this way the seven candlesticks I've never put it up like this before candlesticks anytime they had a light in Israel they lighted it with olive oil so let's just say the candlesticks seven candlesticks are the not candlesticks the seven angels why didn't somebody correct me on that the seven angels or seven messengers equals the olive oil in the lamps because that's what gave them the light so the seven angels is the olive oil and what does it say here goes on to say and the seven candlesticks which is Jewish Revelation is a Jewish book great day in the morning you got right in the middle of it go back to Deuteronomy the 25th chapter not at Deuteronomy Exodus the 25th chapter Exodus 25 all right now this is where it comes from if you got it in the first chapter of Revelation and you got it in the 25th chapter of Exodus don't you think it's Jewish if, if you don't approach Revelation from a Jewish perspective you're not going to understand anything about it then he says in verse 31 and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold the candlestick was inside the it was first inside the uh, tabernacle the tabernacle there's a picture of the tabernacle it was built exactly the temple was built on the same scale as the tabernacle Solomon's temple it was Herod that expanded it and put a lot of error into it. Now, so he says here, the candlesticks, you had, you had six pieces of furniture in the temple. You had the veil. You had the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, right on top of the Ark, was the mercy seat. Mercy seat. And inside the Ark, you can find this in Hebrews 9, inside the Ark was the law written on tables of stone. Stone. 
by the finger. The Bible tells us it was the finger of God that wrote that in Deuteronomy, the ninth chapter. So the law is written on tables of stone. And now we're in a... This over here equals... Uh, equals us. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which temple you are. I'm right drawing with broken lines because this is the spiritual temple over here. Broken lines because this is us. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And our hearts are the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones can quit looking for the Ark of the Covenant. It's in us. It's our... The heart was the place of understanding. When it says heart, you can look that up, McClinican Strong. Look up heart. Place of understanding. If you believe in your heart, did you believe in your understanding? And there's none that understandeth. None seeks after God. So God has to put the understanding there, and that's predestination. So now the law is written on fleshy tables of our hearts. Fleshy tables. Now what I'm going to do for you, it's written on fleshy tables of the heart, and you'll find that in for in Second Corinthians, the third chapter. You'll find that in Hebrews, the eighth chapter. You'll find that in Hebrews the 10th chapter and you'll also find that in Luke the 11th chapter if I with the finger of God cast out devils then the kingdom of God is coming to you but you need to know that kingdom of God was another name for Israel so you've got all this and I want to say something I've never said before I believe the law that's written on fleshy tables of our heart is the seal. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit is what sprinkles our hearts. The high priest would come in after he had offered his offering here on the... after he offered the goat, you'll find this in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. I'm sorry it takes me so long to go through this, but you got to go a step at a time for people to understand. So, so this is fleshy tables of the heart. I believe that this is the seal of God, which is a counterpart to the mark of the beast. Those who take the mark of the beast are not sealed. So when it's talking about us being sealed, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is truth, taking the cover off. That's what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit is truth. So, And we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So this would be the mark of God. 
and this would be the mark of the beast over here. The mark of the beast is not a computer chip in your hand. That's ridiculous. Computer chips are way out there, way in the past. They're obsolete. We got something that's better than computer chips. How about DNA? That's something you can separate every person in the world from every other person in the world. So if you're going to have the mark of the beast, it's got to be in your mind. And when God writes his mark and puts it in our hearts, he says that he writes it on fleshy tables of our hearts, that he shed abroad. Ekkeo, E-C-K-C-H-E-O. Ekkeo means to just, like a flood. He floods our hearts there in Romans, the fifth chapter. It's the same thing as these right here. If he sheds abroad his love in our hearts, what does he shed abroad in our hearts? Huh? Somebody tell me. What does he shed abroad? How can, how can these here where he writes upon fleshy tables of our heart equal this in Romans, Romans 5? What does he shed abroad in our hearts? Somebody tell me. Agape. Huh? Agape. Agape. That's right. If he sheds abroad his love, that's agape. That's the word agape. I keep saying you got agape and phileo. Agape. Agape and phileo. Both of these words were translated into L-O-V-E. And agape was also translated into charity. You cannot, these are not the same word. Phileo means to have affection for. Affection. I like cake. I like ice cream. I like God. I like my car. I like my dog. I like to take drugs. I like to get drunk. You can like anything. But agape was specific. It was about commandments given by a father to his family, by a king to his subjects. And that's why, that's why the Bible says in Second John 6, this is agape. It says love, but if you don't know, if you don't know it's agape, look it up. You get to where you can kind of recognize agape as opposed to phileo. This is agape that we walk after his commandments. That's what I said. It's a command given from kings to subjects, from fathers to family. <laughs> this is what agape is. When the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated before they were born, for either one had done any good or evil, who did he give his commandments to? Did he give any to Esau? Not one. Jacob's name was changed to Israel in Genesis 32nd chapter. And it was Moses that went up on the mountain and brought down the commandments of God when they came out of bondage. He went up on the mountain and got the commandments of God in Exodus the 20th chapter. 
brought the Ten Commandments down. But there's more than that to the commandments of God. Every time you have an imperative mood that Jesus speaks in the Greek text, how are you going to be able to tell if it's an imperative mood? First of all, you're going to have to learn the alphabet. And then you're going to have to take a Greek-English lexicon, a parsing guide, and look up that word. You know how I've learned all these words over 63 years? One at a time. That's the only way. You can't learn them all at once. It's too hard. I come to the realization in the last few days, I believe the people here want the truth. There's not hardly anybody out there in the world that wants it. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find this truth. Few, not many. There's not many people out there. And it's been really registering on me when I talk to people out in public. I've had to learn to slow down real slow. If I give them a Greek word, be as definite as I was over here with agape and phileo and tell them what it means if they want to hear it. And if they want to hear it, I just cut it off. If I see their eyes cross, you know, I just say, oh, well, forget this. And I walk away. They go, look off up in the distance. I have stopped right in the middle of the conversation. One lady said, what does that mean on your shirt? I said, God doesn't love everybody. So I said, well, over here in Romans the ninth chapter, when Rebecca had conceived by one, even by Father Isaac, and she just turned to another woman and started talking to her. I just walked away. I didn't say goodbye. I'm not telling you no more. I just went, walked off. If they don't want to hear, I'd get to where I tell people, do you really want to know this? I'll tell you if you want to know it. If they're vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, they have no hunger to know the truth. Just leave them alone. You can't change and turn goats into sheep. They were born goats or they were born sheep. We were given to Christ from the foundation of the world. I don't know how I got on that. But anyway. Well, I started to tell you where the candlesticks were. You got, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six pieces of furniture. You got six pieces of furniture in the temple. These inside are beaten gold. The candlesticks are right down here. Right there. And this is the brazen sea. Or the brassy sea. Or the glassy sea. Glassy sea. And we went through that in the fourth chapter where the Bible speaks of the glassy sea or the gosh I'm getting out of I'm getting too fast excuse me let me slow down over there in the fourth chapter when it talks about there was a sea of glass like unto crystal before the throne anytime you see in Revelation you see throne of God think mercy seat this was his throne when they were in the wilderness. If this is our heart and it's taken a place of the throne, then he sits upon our hearts.
Can you see that? That's where he lives now in our hearts. Those of us that are believers. Well, you have an equivalent. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and 17, we are the, the bread, we are the bread, the bread which we break, it's, it's this, we being many are one bread and one body. This is the table of showbread. The candlesticks, the Bible says, are the seven churches. Let me say this one more time. Seven doesn't mean seven. Seven in the Hebrew is the word Sheba. Sheba. The queen of Sheba was the queen of seven. That's what her name means. So she was the queen of seven. And seven comes from the word Shabua. Shabua means to take an oath to God. You can't take an oath till God has beat you up for a long time. You may walk down to some house and say, I like to dedicate my life to the Lord. Well, that don't mean nothing when you're young. Because you're going to walk off and get off on a tangent, go out here and live the way you shouldn't, till God whips you real good. He said he scourges every son he receives. Scourge is a bloody whipping. There in Hebrews 12. He scourges every son he receives. Scourges. Mastix. M-A-S-T-I-X. Comes from the word mastigao. M-A-S-T-I-G-O-O. And a mastigao was a little whip. Had pieces of leather on it. This is what they beat Jesus with. And it had pieces of glass and metal all through there. And God says, I take the scourge and I beat you half to death for one reason. So that you will be taker. What was that? Speakers. Was it? He said, I'll beat you with this mastigao so you can be partaker of my holiness. Holiness is the word hagiazo, H-A-G or Hagiasmos, H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. Hagiasmos comes from the word holy, which is the word Hagias. And Hagias, holy, means single or pure. And what we do, what God has to do with us, put us in the fire... And the trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. So you have to be tried before you can take an oath to God. Where's my oath? (laughs) So you have to have a scourge for years. I know a lot of young people are really sincere, but a lot of them will be like I did. They'll kind of wander off in their sin. Have you ever done that? Huh? Boy, have I ever done that. And I'm ashamed of the way I have lived. I sang in 300 nightclubs across America. I'm not a proud of that. I'm ashamed of that. I don't believe in what these pop singers and country singers call Christian. I'm a Christian. I read an article this week about uh, Underwood, Carrie Underwood. And somebody sending me this magazine. 
People magazine I didn't subscribe to it. I wasn't interested in it. But it showed Carrie. It says, Carrie Underwood shows her stability by her faith. Baloney. Hogwash. And shows her in pictures in this magazine with mini skirts on, real tight dresses on, and having sexual moves. You mean you're a Christian, Carrie? That's not Christianity to me. That's not daily dying death to self, self denial, being hated for righteousness sake. I think she's real famous and she she's the most famous decorated country music singer that's ever lived as of today. That's what they said. She's got 20, 20 accolades and awards from the country music world. She's beautiful. She's got a real handsome husband who was 19 years with the hockey leagues in Canada. David something, I can't remember his name. And they are, I mean, she is a winner. The Bible says if you are a winner in the world, you're an enemy of God. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. No, you not that friendship with the world is enmity against God. Enmity is the word ekthra. It means hostile. I believe she is hostile to God. I don't believe. I believe she's got a Jesus in her life, but it's another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. I hate that some big flashy magazine comes out and says so-and-so gives all of her credit to Jesus and to God. I don't believe that at all about Carrie Underwood. She looks innocent. Her husband looks innocent. They have the look of the world. She runs around with mini skirts and gets up there and wiggles. That is not Christianity. She's got some idea about what it is and that ain't it. There has to be daily dying, death to self, self-denial, Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you, Carrie. Now, you might like her. You might like her singing. She's got one of the great voices. When she was on The Voice, even the smart other governor said, she's going to be a real winner, whatever his name is. I can't think of it. So when we are popular in the world... We're the enemy of God. You can't call yourself a Christian and be popular with people. It just doesn't work. I can't picture her walking up on stage and saying, let me tell you about predestination. Let me tell you about a daily cross and death to self. Because she's up there wiggling, shaking her hips. I don't believe that. You believe what you want to believe. I'm old. When you get old... You look truth right in the eye and you say it. And you don't care whether anybody likes I don't care if Carrie likes it or don't like it. I don't care if her booking agent calls me and says, she's this and she's that and they're straight. Well, there's something wrong with her Christianity. She's not being persecuted, that's for sure. Now, where was I? So, when you see before the throne... The throne is, i got to reset this thing. When you get to the fourth chapter, well, let me finish reading the 
the first chapter, that last verse. The mysteries of seven stars, which I saw us, that's the seven the seven messengers, the seven angels of the seven churches. It's the oil and the candlesticks. And then the the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. We've already said seven candlesticks equals seven churches. But we said to take an oath to God means to seven oneself. You cannot seven yourself until you go through the seven things that God says you have to do to be stable. And he tells you that in Second Peter 1 and 5. Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. Starts off with virtue. Virtue is the word arete, A-R-E-T-E. It means maturity. You can't start off mature. Say, I want to commit my life to Christ, and I'm 18 years old. Well, I, I appreciate your young commitment, but you got a whole lot of fire to go through to really take an oath and be sevened. And the Bible says when you add these seven things, you'll never fall. And then he says, make your calling and election sure. That word sure be by us in the same context of Second Peter. Sure is the word B-E-B-A-I-O-S. Means stable. Stabilize your faith by adding these seven state things and you gotta add you gotta add to your faith, you gotta add maturity, arete. You gotta add long suffering, you gotta add knowledge. How long does it take to add this much knowledge to your you say, Jim, I won't ever learn all this. Don't learn all of it. Just say, Lord, help me to learn what I can. And learn what you can. If you if you watch my DVDs, I got 3,900 as of this morning. You can't believe the information I got on the DVDs. It's just phenomenal. Sometimes I'll be watching an old DVD. I say, I don't even remember teaching that. And I have to go back and refresh my memory on it. I did one series on the DNA. I did a series on one of the most amazing series was Gematria. That's where they where they gave every number in the alphabet a value. One, two, three, four. Count up to ten, twenty, thirty, forty. And then it'll show how when they invented the alphabet they did that. And then when God put it together, he put some things together in the Bible that are amazing. Now, let's go back over here. Let's go back over here to the fourth chapter of Revelation. Sometimes I'll get to talking. I'll take off on a tangent and I don't come back. Y'all have to forgive me because I, I get so interested in what I'm talking about that I don't remember not going back. Somebody told me the other day, said you, uh, oh, it was Tracy, I think. She said, you started off on, uh, what was it you said? I started on something. Oh, I started on the 
I started on the aorist indicative verbs. Aorist indicative. I'll go ahead and put this in here just so you'll know. Aorist indicative. In the Greek language, you got you got cases, nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. Sometimes you got a vocative case. That's where it is in the sentence. The nominative is the predicate nominative or, or the subject. Predicate nominative is subject. The subject is Jim is the pastor. Pastor is the predicate nominative. It is the same thing in the predicate. The predicate is everything from the verb to the end of the sentence. If it's a predicate nominative, it's got to have a being verb or a helping verb. So, pastor is the same thing as Jim. That's a predicate nominative. If it says Jim threw the ball. Well, Jim threw the ball. Ball receives the action of the action verb. That's an action verb. This is a being verb up here. So, ball receives the action of Jim throwing. But if I said Jim threw the ball to John, well, these, these, the direct object would be the accusative case. The dative case would be the indirect object. He didn't throw John. If I said Jim threw John the ball, he didn't throw John. He threw the ball to John. So John is the is the indirect object. That's the dative case, and the genitive case would be possessive. Would be possessive, and possessive is uh, it would be like baptism of repentance. If you look that up, this proves by the case that baptism cannot be water because baptism is of repentance. You have to be repenting when you're being baptized. Baptized comes from baptizo and bapto. Baptizo means to cover. It doesn't mean to immerse. If you've got a new concordance and a bridge concordance, set that aside and get the old concordance. And bapto means to stain with a dye. A blood baptism is a death. Baptism repentance has to do with a death, the death to self. You can't be dipped in water while you're repenting. That's not going to happen. And then the vocative case is direct address. Jim, you throw the ball. That would be a vocative case. So this is the cases. Then whatever I was going to tell you about Arist indicative, I'm going to finish it because I didn't finish it the other night. Arist indicative. You say, I don't understand that. Yes, you do. Aorist indicative means past. Every time you, every time you look it up, past tense. It means the action begin in the past. That's what it means. It means somewhere in the past. That's an aorist indicative. We got you different kinds of aorist indicatives. You have a a constitutive. 
and you have a an ingressive and you have a consumative the action will begin in the past on every one of these but when you look it up the way you're going to be able to tell if it's a constative the action will start in the past and will be constant that's like God has saved Sozo means it has the same meaning as Philippians 1 6 he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it so it began in the past and it's constant and it's not ending until God sees the end to it then an ingressive means an ingress I gave the illustration the other night I used to sell real estate and I had a piece of land listed that was landlocked and when it's landlocked it means there's no way to get to it uh, all these here's a road here and this was the land they have by Tennessee law they have to give you an ingress to, to that land the guy that's in front of you nearest the road well ingress means it starts movement in the past but as to whether it continues is depends on the context conservative means it's one time Jesus died on a cross he did that one time so it's good to learn these parts of speech so you can better understand I'm not just trying to be a Greek teacher I'm trying to help you understand the Bible now let's go back over here to the fourth chapter of Revelation it's going to take me some time to get through this I could actually teach on Revelation the rest of my life because I love it it's uh, it's unbelievable I don't know where to go from here what I'm asking you for <laughs> alright now we talked about in the fourth chapter we see well let me go ahead this is the table of showbread we being many are one bread and one body uh, this is the altar of incense all of these are beaten gold these are made out of out of brass this is where all of the offerings were offered daily they, they were killed on that brazen altar brass altar some say it was copper and this is the brazen sea you'll find the sea it was called a laver when they first left Egypt it was a small wash basin for the priests to wash in because all they had was Aaron and his four sons well later on as they grew during Solomon's day in 1 Kings the 7th chapter the Lord tells Solomon to build a sea it contains 2,000 baths where the priests can come and wash I've got a picture of it here I, I was going to get to uh, I was going to get Jesse to put it on there wasn't time this morning but this is the brazen sea this is in an old book of mine 
I don't know if you can see it from here, but you should. Should be able to. It's in. It's in color. All right. Hold on. Y'all don't go away. All right. Here it is, right here. This really expresses it, and I'm going to put it on this. At this screen up here. There's the C. There's. Th huh. There, this is the sea. There's the temple, Solomon's temple. Here is the. Here is the altar. Those are the horns of the altar, and then this is the Ark of the Covenant that they're bringing in or bringing it out. They're bringing it in to the temple, and the sea sets on three horsemen, three brass. Uh, bulls facing each direction. That's what the sea sets on. That's why it's called the sea. It had 2,000 baths in it for the priest to wash. They would go to the sea every morning and wash before they went and offered on this altar and then they would come back and wash their hands and their feet. That's where the foot washing and the hand washing comes from. That's a great picture. I love that. All right. Sometimes I have said things many times, but it's hard to it's hard for you to understand it all at once, isn't it? Hard to get a hold of everything all at once. All right. Now we see in chapter four the door was open in heaven. You got heaven. Let me erase this. In that fourth chapter, you've got heaven. Now, the Jews said there were three heavens. I told this to Billy yesterday. He said, ask something about heavens. There's the heavens above us. That's where the birds fly up into the stratosphere, up in space, that's the heavens. But when you go into McClinic and Strong, it will tell you, you open it up, the H volume, look at heaven, and the first thing it will tell you, it will tell you governments. The government was called the heavens, the ruling class. And the earth was called the ruled. When the Bible says there'll be new heavens, Israel was the heavens. They were the heavens according to God's covenant in the 28th chapter of, of Deuteronomy. Because he told them, if you obey my commandments, my laws... You'll go against your enemy one way and they will flee seven ways and it doesn't matter how many there are. One time Israel went against over 100,000 people and they had 7,000 fighting men. They beat the tar out of them. Another time they had, with Asa the king, they had a half a million men in their army, Israel. But they went against a million Ethiopians. There's no chance for them. Besides that, the Ethiopians had 
300 iron chariots. You know what an iron chariot is? They had these wheels. And they had these scythes, these little swords on the side, and they would just rip people to shreds. Nobody could stop 300 chariots of iron. Israel did. Because Asa was their king, he was obedient to God. He had put down all the Baal and grove worship in Israel. And when he put that down, God says, you will win. And he did. So that made them the heavens. Then you had the, the atmosphere above us. And that's where the birds fly and where the spaceships fly. That this would be two, one. And number three, the heavens, wherever God is. Heavens where God is. And we don't have any idea if that's in another dimension or what. So that's what you got when you got heavens. When he says here, a door is open into heaven, it's talking about Israel because of the rest of what it says. He comes up. And he says, there's a throne there. Well, the throne is the Ark of the Covenant, except it's our hearts in this case. She says, there's a throne. And he says, there are 24 elders. There's 24 elders. Let me erase this. So you got heavens, you got 24 elders. And you'll find those 24 elders, they are the 24 sons of Aaron. And you'll find that in First Chronicles, the 24th chapter. 24th chapter. And they have, and you find here that they have golden crowns on their heads. The golden crowns are found in Leviticus 8 and 9 and in Exodus 28, 36. Exodus 28, 36. These are the crowns, crowns, gold crowns. It says that these sons of Aaron, they had a gold crown right on their forehead. It said, Holiness to the Lord. Now, they're going to take their crowns and do something unusual with them. You're not going to, you can't translate Revelation without studying the Old Testament. It's not possible. All of these so-called Revelation teachers like Jack Van Wimpy and Hal Knucklehead Lindsay, they are crazy. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. Well, there's going to be a throne up in heaven and there's going to be a, a crystal sea and it's going to be... Well, you got the crowns in Leviticus 8 and 9. 8 and 9. Look at those verses. I'm not going to turn to them again. I read them last week and the week before. And then you have the sea of glass in verse 6. Ezekiel 38 and 8. Ezekiel 38 and 8. The Moses 
Wait a minute, Exodus, not Ezekiel. What am I talking about? I knew it wasn't Ezekiel. I thought that's too far down the road. Exodus 38 and 8. Moses tells the women, bring your looking glasses. They were made out of brass. Copper. Some say copper. They translated brass. They were made out of brass. I've said it before. If you ever get a chance for no other reason to watch the old Ten Commandments movie with Moses and with uh, Charlton Presley. <laughs> hey, said the parents, say, by the Lord God, Moses was tongue-tied. He said, I can't talk God. You can't have me lead the children of Israel. I can't hardly talk. And God says, Aaron, your older brother, will be your prophet. But they've got Charlton Presley sitting up there going, By the Lord God, let my people go. He couldn't talk like that. Just crazy. But anyway, if you remember Nefertiti, in one of the scenes, she was looking into one of those brass mirrors. That's, boy, you talk about some justification for this. Besides, the Bible tells you that. And he told the women, bring your looking glasses. We need to make the brazen labor out of it. Later on, it became the brazen, the glassy sea. The reason it was called the glassy sea was made out of their their glasses. They They hadn't discovered yet how to make glass by putting the silver on the back of it. Like you have a glass in your bathroom. They didn't know how to do that. So they polished brass. And Moses said, I need those to make the sea with. So, and before the throne there was a sea of glass. Real simple. Just, here it is right here. Here's the sea, like I told you. And it's made out of the glasses of the women. This is not as hard if you know where to go to find these things. So, what do they do? And then you got four beasts. I meant to get back to these today. You got four beasts. It's not the same word as the beast in the beast, the world ruling system. It's not that same word. That word over in Revelation 13 is Tolterion. It is neuter gender. And when it says that the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority, his and him is wrong. That's what it says in my King James Bible. If you go into the interlinear Bible, it says it's. Because tolterion is neuter gender. And being neuter means it's a thing. It's not. It's a system. It's the same beast in Revelation 7 that was like a lion, a bear, and a leopard. It was the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear, and the Grecian leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, and that was Rome. That's the beast in Revelation, oh, not Revelation 7, Daniel 7. Daniel 7 is the same thing as in Revelation 13. The beast. The beast here in in the fourth chapter of Revelation that there were four beasts around the throne. 
they, these were called cherubim or cherubim it's more properly pronounced cherubim and the cherubim we always identify them with Assyria there they are right there the beast if you'll notice they all either have the head of a man the head or the body of a lion the head or the body of an eagle or the head or the body of an ox they all have that those were the four that God established his covenant with man when Noah came out of the ark in Genesis the ninth chapter anytime you see them God along with his covenant has a rainbow actually had a bow in, in bow is the word Kesseth Q-E-S-H-E-T-H in Genesis 9 and Kesseth means a bow for bending or a war bow that's what the rainbow was it was a war bow I got much to say about that there's seven colors in the rainbow (laughs) it's just amazing you know how much you have to study to get all this detail I have studied my brains out till they fell out on the floor and I'd stuff them back in and it seems so simple and I want to give it to you where it can be simple to you if possible now so everywhere what in the world are the Assyrians doing with God's cherubim here's a here's a has got the body of an ox the head of a man the body of a lion the head of a man the wings of an eagle the head of a man and the body of a lion the body of a lion the head of an eagle and this was called the cherubim and the cherubim were a sign of God's covenant when the Assyrians and the Babylonians came in they had these on the sides of their chariots like so Right there. Had them on the sides of their chariots. And the chariot wheels were a wheel inside of a wheel. And they were six spokes with Christ. That's a picture of the candlesticks from the top. And it's a star of David. The old rabbis said, some of the old rabbis said, David wore the menorah on his shield this is the shield of David right there isn't it said he wore the menorah or the seven candlesticks but if you look at the candlesticks from the top it's it's a hexagon like so and I got a lot to say about that and y'all know that you've heard me say a lot about it don't have time to go into it then so we see these four beasts which are the same four 
which are the same four that God gave a covenant to Noah. So anywhere you find these four beasts, anywhere you find them, it's going to be God's covenant with His people. Gosh, where can I go from here? Let's see, what do they do with their crowns? These are crowns on the foreheads of the Aaronic priesthood, Aaron's sons. There were 24 of them. They had 24 courses. In fact, gosh, I don't even need to say this. might confuse you, but I'll say it anyway. They had 24 courses that came out of either Eliezer or Ithamar. Aaron had two other sons. Who were they? Huh? Nadab. And who else? Huh? A-B-I-H-U. And what happened to Nadab and Abihu? God struck them dead. They offered strange fire. It's real serious to call yourself a preacher. I don't know why God don't kill all these preachers out here. They're dumb and stupid. Why do you call them stupid, Jim Brown? Stupid is the word ba'ar in the Old Testament. It means have the understanding of an animal. It's the word brutish. When they despise correction, they are brutish. They're dull of hearing. And faith cometh by hearing. They're dull of faith. Now, these, well, wait a minute, who was I? I'm looking at too many things. All right. So you got the four beasts. They're full of eyes. It means they are extremely intelligent. And what happens with these these crowns on the on all the priests? The priests either come out of Eliezer or Ithamar, one of the two. These died before they had any children. So every high priest in the Old Testament. You get down there and you got hundreds of them that are descendants of Eliars and Ithamar. They're the 24 elders. They had 24 courses. If you go to that, that 24th chapter of First Chronicles, it'll tell you, it'll go down the courses and it'll tell you that Abiah, Abiah, was the eighth course. Here's how you add things up. Uh, well, let me show you this. When I'm adding something up, I check one thing with another. Look at First Chronicles, the 24th chapter. All right. There was Nadab, Abihu, and Eliezer, Ithamar, in the first verse. Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. So no, no high priests are going to come out of them. David distributed them both. Zadok of the sons of Eliezer and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar. And these two sons had the next, that next verse there. To Eliezer there were 16 chief men of the house of their fathers and eight among the sons of Eliezer. That's eight and sixteen. It's twenty-four. 
So they had 24 courses. And then he starts naming the courses, and it gets down here to the 8th, verse 10, the 7th to Hakaz, and the 8th to Abijah. And then look over here and look the first chapter. Luke, you have to connect verses with verses. Luke, the first chapter. Luke 1. Learn to do this. All right. Luke, the first chapter. Verse 5, talking about John the Baptist's father. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. Zechariah was a high priest of Israel. The high priest gave the priesthood to their sons. His son is John the Baptist. John the Baptist should have been the high priest of Israel. But he wasn't. They had a Herod. They had, a, they had these Herods which were descendants of Esau and they had no part in Israel. So when you're talking about Abiah, he comes from the course of Abiah and then it talks about the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist should have been the high priest. And Jesus was the king. There were two anointed Israel, the priest and the king. That was Jesus and John the Baptist. But you're not going to be able to see that if sometimes I make it real simple by showing it to you. Now go back over here to Revelation. Oh, man. How much time do I have, Mike? I keep wanting to get back to Ezekiel, the first chapter. Let's. Here's what these priests do, the high priest. The four and twenty elders, verse 10, chapter 4, fall down before the one that sits upon the throne, which is Christ sitting upon the throne of our hearts, and that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Only you are worthy, Lord, to open these seals. They cast these crowns. Here's what they did. Now look at Christ on the throne. He is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And they cast their crowns to him and say, Only you are worthy to judge before God. And he is the true high priest in this temple of God. He's the one that sprinkles our hearts. So what they're... I've heard so many preachers say, we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. We don't have any crowns. Yeah, but Paul said he had crowns. He said he had Stephanos. These are not crowns like I said it last week, like king's crowns with gold, a gold crown with pieces of, with, with diamonds and pearls and rubies in them. That's not the crown Paul was talking about. 
He told the Philippians, You are my joy and crown. You are my Stephanos. We get Stephen or Stephanie from that. And that was an oak leaf that they put around their heads that everyone that participated in the games got. It's not talking about the Philippians are on my head. And I'm always walking around going, you guys hold still up there. <laughs> That's ridiculous. See, people don't know because they don't define. I listen to preachers. Makes me want to spit. You know, just I can't stand what they're saying, when, especially when they're preaching prophecy. Now, so they cast their crowns at him, tell him only he's worthy. Now, I did this last week, and I don't mean to do it again. Go back to Ezekiel, the first chapter. You find these four animals. And Ezekiel is on the, he was in the captivity. He says, I was among the captives. This was in around 597 B.C. There were three deportations from Israel, all because Israel went after, Israel went after these, let me erase these, went after these sun and tree gods, which Constantine brought into the church and called Christ's mass. It's just, well, I don't know why I can find all this information. Maybe I study my brains out. That's what it is. And you have to be open. You have to be open to believing God instead of believing man. Don't think that these doctors of theology have a lot together because they don't. I, I don't know the doctor of theology that I really believe in. Not one. I've got all kinds of books on Revelation in my library. I don't agree with hardly any of them. They don't know what they're talking about. They'll take some wild guess at this stuff. They make the sea a real sea instead of the brazen sea made out of the glasses of the women. They make the throne of God something up in heaven instead of the Ark of the Covenant, instead of our hearts. They make everything seem ethereal. That's like up in the ether of the atmosphere, something that's hazy that we can't understand. See how good I know Revelation? You don't know it, mister. You hadn't studied the Old Testament. And Ezekiel, he's a captive. You had a captivity in 605 B.C., You had one in 597-96, that's approximate. And then you had the final deportation of Israel in 586 B.C. This was a destructive captivity. That last one was when Nebuchadnezzar came over with his armies, sent his commanding general, Nebuchadnezzar, in to slaughter and burn Israel to the ground. And then 597 is when Ezekiel and Daniel were carried over. These two were peaceful deportations. Peaceful. 
And Ezekiel was carried away at this one. He's in Babylon over here telling Israel, you have to understand this about Ezekiel. Ezekiel and Daniel were carried over in Babylon in around 597. That's peaceful. They're both over here in Babylon telling Israel what they've been doing wrong going after Baal and the grove and tree and sun worship and he's telling them all of this and at the same time he's telling them the judgment that's going to come and that's what he starts in this first chapter judgment and he says verse 2 in the fifth day of the month which was in the fifth year of the king Jehoiakim's captivity. You can see King Jehoiakim, one of the very last kings in Israel, about the third to the last king. Zedekiah was his uncle. He was the last king. And Jehoiakim, this is his captivity. You can see his captivity in First Kings, the 24th, excuse me, Second Kings, the 24th chapter. And in the 36th chapter of Second Chronicles. You can see his captivity. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel while he's in the captivity. The priest, he's a descendant of Ithamar or Eliezer. The priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans. Chaldean is another name for Babylon. Babylon is Iraq. It's Iraq. On the Euphrates River. This is Babylon right here. There's a right. Here's the Euphrates. There's the Tigers coming down. They meet about 100 miles northwest of the Persian Gulf where we had that Gulf War back in the early 90s. All right. I'm not even getting into all my notes i got to get into the mark of the beast, which I believe is where he writes up on. The mark of the beast is going to be the opposite of the seal of God. He's going to seal us, and we're going to have marked on our foreheads. It doesn't mean a literal forehead marking. It meant in the mind. Are we already sealed? Oh, yeah. We're sealed until, with that Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. We've got it written in our minds. In fact, you're going to see the sealing. You're going to see the Old Testament picture of the sealing of God's people. Sealing of God's people. In Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, there's a man that comes and he has to be a spiritual man and he's going to mark all those that are not to be slain. That in Ezekiel 9? Huh? Is it 9 or 11? No, it's 9. Okay. You said 11. Huh? You said 11. Did I? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Sometimes I'm spewing this stuff out so fast. I can't get it. In 9 is about the man that comes with a writer's inkhorn. That is equivalent the man that comes with a writer's ink horn. Ink horn. Did I say 11? I don't know why I put 11 on there. 
That don't have nothing to do with anything. Well, I guess it does, but nine. That is equal to Revelation 7. Ezekiel 9 is equal to Revelation 7, where he says, Mark those that are sealed. Mark those, tell the winds of the earth not to move. You're going to, have, you're going to find out that the winds of the earth were the armies. Over and over again, God says he's going to bring an east wind into Israel. And out of the east would come Nebuchadnezzar to carry him away into captivity. He called all the armies of the earth an east, a wind that was coming. And everybody that came into Israel came from the east. The Assyrians came from the east. The Babylonians came from the east. The Grecians came from the west. But when it says an east wind, it's talking about Nebuchadnezzar or the Assyrians. I'm going to go through that next week. I'm out of time, and I hadn't begun to start to get through all this. In fact, I'll come back to Ezekiel, the first chapter. But when you see the man with the ink horn in in, uh, Ezekiel 9... That will take you to Revelation, the seventh chapter, where God restrains the winds of the earth from blowing until all of his people are sealed in their foreheads. Don't listen to Jack Van Ampere or Hal Lindsey. They don't have no idea what they're doing. And don't buy their books. They've got all kinds of imagination in there. It's kind of like John MacArthur's got demons coming out of that bottomless pit. That is crazy. The bottomless pit is the place of no knowledge. And the and the scorpions are false teachers. We've said that. And when you look at Revelation 7, you'll see. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth. He's talking about I'm going to go into the four winds being the armies that are supposed to come in and God marks those that belong to him in our minds. You can see that in Deuteronomy the sixth chapter where he says take my law put it before your eyes put it where you lie down where you rise up where you walk put it on your hand. He wasn't talking about wrapping a phylactery around their hand, a little box, black box with the law written in it. He was talking about before your eyes, where you lie down, where you rise up. That's those that are marked with the Word of God. That's the mark of God, a seal of God. The seal is the opposite of the mark of the beast. The seal, fragizo is the word seal, S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O. Sfragizo is the word is the word seal. It means a signet or a signature. It comes from sfragis. which is, this is the verb, this is the noun. It is a seal. And we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's the truth, isn't it? I'm out of time. I I feel 
like I've kind of just stumbled through this this morning. If you come back and listen to more, I'm going to try to move into other all these other areas. Is so much to this. All you have to do is know something about the Old Testament to understand Revelation. You understand that? This is not as hard as it looks. It's hard learning the Old Testament. I started studying the Old Testament in 1957 when I was 56, when I was 17. And I have run this through my mind a million times. And I don't listen to scholars that lead some organization. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in half the books in my library at home. I have. If you're going to read, learn to exegete the truth out of what's in your book and leave the opinions behind. If it says I.E., that means that is to say. It may be true and it may not be true. Investigate it. I'll... If you don't have time to investigate, I'll investigate it for you. Come and sit down here and I'll just lay it out for you right in front of your face. Okay? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. This is overwhelming, Lord, to me, trying to get this message out to the world. Somehow, I pray that you'll get us on enough TV or internet or whatever so we can reach your elect out there Lord cause us to continue this work Lord you fight our battles we can't fight them it's it's too hard to deal with people we're not supposed to fight thank you for your word thank you for everything Lead us to your elect family, and we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I'm sorry I wasn't able to clarify that more than I did. Davis, what are you doing? Probably see you tomorrow over at the house. Okay. I love you, bro. I really do. Thank you. I appreciate it. Don't know what I'd do without you. <laughs> and vice versa. Verse Vice. We're glad you come. You're amazing. Awesome. There is a whole bunch of stuff. Well, I have been studying for 63 years intently. Have you watched this before? No. You never have? Mike's been trying to get me to come because he comes in the cafe and eats a salad. I'm over there doing the Where, over at Kroger? Yeah, he comes in it twice a day. Mayor, Mayor was with him in the old Kroger for 18 years. 
Not on wood this time. No, I'm going to be a regular. The captain car was like 